0: Is Democracy in Crisis, and I'm Baynard Woods. Co-host Mark Steiner is not here today, but uh have with me two other uh guests and friends of the show: Brandon Soderbergh, the uh uh managing editor uh, and news editor of the Baltimore Beat here in Baltimore, Maryland, and Easy Jackson uh with the Real News Network. Hey guys, what's going on, on man? So we are gonna have a sort of uh Last year at this time, I went down to CPAC and it was a, a deeply disturbing experience. Uh, and we're it's happening right now, and, and we're not going to even talk about it. Fuck those people. Um, I got super stoned before I went, and it woke me out. And so I'll just, I'll, I'll you can point back to last year's podcast if you're interested in CPAC because it's the same shit. They're saying the same things, and we're going to talk about movies. Uh, a little bit this time because Brandon Guest wrote this week's column. He's been the, the sort of long toiling editor of the column <laughs> for this last year, has written uh, a number of, of different posts and stuff on the site and wrote the column about this week. Uh, is our president's dick-punching politics, Bloodsport <laughs> at 30, plus Citizen Kane, Air Force One, and The Godfather, a Trump nice. movie syllabus. So... Wow. Uh, we're going to start by talking about that, but we've all been sort of watching some, rewatching some older stuff, watching yeah. some older movies. Uh, I'm going to end up talking a little bit about Training Day and Serpico uh, and the difference between '90s and early 2000s movies and '70s movies. But let's talk about Bloodsport. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is what is this movie? Give us a, a rundown of of what the deal with this is, and then we'll talk about Trump's. Uh, Putative love of it. Yeah.
1: So it's a, like a 1988 Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie, secret fighting tournament in Hong Kong kind of movie, just 90 minutes of uh, fighting and then weird moments of quiet that these movies, t- these like sort of 80s action movies tend to have. Um, and, you know, it's basically about American going to Hong Kong and beating all the Asian dudes in martial arts and winning this secret tournament. Um, there's kind of a subplot about him being somehow connected to the military, or the CIA, or something. And it's kind of based on this uh, reputed bullshit artist, Frank Dukes, who's kind of an in- karate instructor who kind of told a bunch of karate magazines this outrageous story about being in the CIA, fighting in these tournaments, all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting, I think, because it turns, it happens to turn 30. On February 26th, it's from it was released February 26th, 1988, and the way the internet works now is you celebrate the anniversary of everything, so I thought I'd celebrate it, but I also thought it was interesting because it's sort of been tied to Trump as Trump's favorite movie, mostly because of a New Yorker article from 1997 where he's on his plane watching it. He turns off the John Travolta movie, Michael, which is kind of a dopey, <laughs> sentimental movie about it. A sort of roughshod angel who comes down to help people and puts on bloodsport because it's well, it's awesome.
0: But he doesn't just put it on, so, right. so how does how does he? I mean, this is this was the most sort of fascinating thing. So what does he he do to to watch this? Yeah. Movie? So
1: as as I think people have talked about is, um, maybe it's cut. Maybe, uh, in the, in the president's defense, he had seen the movie before, but he kind of decided, he asked his son, seems like it's probably Eric, although it's not clear in the article, to fast forward through the movie to get to all of the good stuff, all the dick punching, uh, <laughs> drop kicking, uh, body slamming, all that stuff. So Trump kind of cuts the movie into... A 40 minute movie instead of like a 95 minute movie or whatever. Kind of fast, like all the boring stuff, the kind of semi love story. Interesting about the love story is that the movie is about Frank falling in love with a journalist who tries to penetrate the Kumitator, right about it. So it's an interesting movie about where a journalist is portrayed as. Uh, pretty well, so I don't know how Trump reconciles that these days.
0: I, know, I never know.
2: thought I'd have something in common with Donald Trump, but I feel like me and my brother used to watch Bloodsport the same way, <laughs> yeah. so we could like imitate the moves and whoop each other's ass. And yeah, like,
0: <laughs> I mean it's like like Brendan wrote in the thing that he watches it like porn. Yeah, like you you get. To the... <laughs> You get to the action and all of that. <laughs> yeah, other all, stuff the is talking, just all the talking, all the weird bad
1: music. Man. Fuck that shit. Storyline. No need for all that. Um and kinda what I think is interesting about it is I think it does say something about Trump, but I also think it says something about the sort of politics of decency or respectability that you all operate in, in which we're supposed to be more offended somehow that Trump's favorite movie is Blood Sport. He's supposed to like a respectable movie. And worse than that um is this idea that he fast forwards her, as if as if Trump if he had a like a loving take on the entire movie and loved the quiet moments as if we still wouldn't be making fun of him it seems like the kind of respectability canard that the democrats play all the time you know
0: although he does his other touted movie is citizen kane which is like right. you know universally voted as like it's it's the movie that that you can yeah that's respectable to like but when he likes it it becomes weirdly gross because he's trying to be yeah (laughs) be it and that's a weird like you're not necessarily supposed to watch it being like oh i want to live like that guy this is a lesson for life (laughs) yeah yeah,
1: right and what i think is maybe interesting is that i think that that's another thing with movies in general which i think ties to propaganda and politics is that a lot of dickhead's favorite movie is a movie that tells them why they shouldn't work their life that way i mean that's what we, i think you you know like there's lots of i think you know i think that if citizen kane hadn't been about hearst hearst would have loved it yeah. it just has all of the sort of things that puff him up you know goodfellas is kind of an example of that or the godfather example of that too there's a whole tradition of people not getting the point of the movie and i would say that maybe the problem there is that the, in the filmmaking itself. Like, if you made a movie that critiques a thing and a bunch of dickheads that are supposed to be critiqued think it's cool, maybe your movie's kind of an aesthetic failure in some way.
0: I mean, so that's that's why I watch, so we've been covering this gun trace task force trial here in Baltimore with a whole bunch of corrupt cops and So I decided to rewatch Training Day and also Serpico. And I mean, one of the reasons why is I was like, I know Wayne Jenkins, the leader of this task force, loved Training Day. Like he must have just like (laughs) watched this shit. And and I mean, like this video came out of them last week, going and giving a fake piece of paper to someone as a search warrant to get into a place. And there's that scene in Training Day where. they go into this woman's house just to steal money, and when they're leaving, she's like, let me see the warrant. And he just hands her the Chinese menu that he took off the car window. And I, I know that Jenkins thought that was a baller move yeah. and like wanted to do that as often as he could. Mm-hmm. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. <laughs>
2: that's what they did (laughs) yeah I mean that's exactly
0: and I mean and that's the end where it it, you imagine these guys always say I'm watching this so I can it's not gonna turn out that way I'm watching Goodfellas the mobster like it's not gonna be me but I'm not
2: gonna I I think it's interesting I think when you look at some of the Marvel and DC movies I really like um, I kind of like the way they've begun to develop the villain where sometimes they don't they don't quite come off as the villain and i think some people look at stuff like that, like, you know, from that perspective, it's like, well, they portrayed him this way, but he's not really a bad guy. Like, he's just trying to, like, figure out his side, and I think sometimes, I think that's what you have right now with, like, Democrats and Republicans, you know, it's like, the world is saying that these Republicans are evil, and the Republicans are sitting there going, but wait, like, I'm just trying to, like, you know, like, you know, from their perspective, they're not evil, you know, and I and, and and I don't know, like I get that from from this exchange, this conversation, is like there there is different ways people take stuff and it's interesting to see what what they do with the information.
0: I mean that's what was so good about something like The Wire or any yeah. great art is like but it was one of the first things where like the criminals and the cops each you saw the world from their perspective rather than, yeah. like, oh, they're bad and they're good. Yeah. It was like everyone... Yeah. It was only when it got to the newspaper they were, like, heroic editors yeah. and scumbags, <laughs> right. and, like, it was not very nuanced and in, right. in that sort of sense. But Yeah, like, I'm
2: sure if you talk to... If you talk to the families of these police officers who they provided for with uh, $150,000, $200,000 worth of overtime... <laughs> You know what I mean? To them, they're a fucking hero. You know what I'm saying? It's like, nah, he did what he had to do uh, to su- to support his family. But then when you dig deep and you find out what what it takes to quote unquote do what you have to do, um, that's where like the moral spectrum comes in.
0: So what if? And none of us have seen. So we are talking about <laughs> movies, but none of us have seen Black Panther yet. So right, uh, I'm, I'm going on Sunday. <laughs> But you, what have you been watching? We were talking this morning a little bit about doing yeah. this, and and so you had some some. I've been watching a lot of
2: stand up, man, because every, I mean I've always I'm a huge fan of stand up comedy, like a uh, nerd. Like I I've, I grew up, I saw all of George Carlin's work. I was heavy on Eddie Murphy. Um, I started out sneaking and watching Red Fox tapes. You know what I mean? When I was like nine years old, and um, so recently I've been kind of catching up on the stand up because stand-up comedians always tend to make very good sense, you know, and have, like, strong commentary on shit that's going on in the world, you know? So I watched Dave Chappelle again. I watched, uh, I forget what the second one is called um, on Netflix, but I watched that one again because it's a little darker, it's a little slower, but he really talks about, like, you know, being right um, and as it relates to, like, the Me Too movement, uh, and kind of warning women, like, of what is to come as a result of putting, you know, these these evil men on, you know, out there on blast. Um, I thought that was interesting. Chris Rock's stand-up um he kind of start he starts off talking about equality and how like he wants to live in a world of real equality and it, and what made me watch it was i saw this group was angry with him because he made a comment saying you know i want to see more white kids being murdered every day i want to turn on the tv and see you know white mothers crying and then like uh, like this whole thing just happened with parkland you know what i mean where where the where the mother she's like media you love white women's pain you love you love mass shootings and so i thought it was interesting just to like see people's response to chris rock and being so angry but no real discussion about why he had to make that statement you know what I'm saying, like like, and it brought it back to the point that black lives still don't matter to people, like people are so used to black children dying in the ghetto that it will never be an epidemic. it'll never be like an emergency, a call for emergency because they're so used to it, and when you mention when you start talking about white children getting murdered, then it's like then there's an alarm then see to 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 them, their children, you know what I mean, but to them, like the immediate response to people. Uh on this post against Chris Rock was like, "Hey, Chris, why don't you tell your brothers in the hood to stop killing each other and it's like it's not that fucking simple, you know what I mean that's not that's not we're not like running around intentionally killing each other. You're talking about areas of poverty where desperate things are happening. you know what i mean and And in the case of Baltimore, we don't even know if it's really you know black young people in 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 the hood killing each other. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the Gun Trace Task Force and all that happened there, like, how many murders are the police responsible for? And what is, you know what I mean? And and why is this narrative being controlled? So I started thinking about all of that stuff. It's funny how, like, comedy can make you think about, you know, some serious shit, you know? So that's that's what I've, I've been looking at.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It, it, the, the overlapping of tragedy and comedy there is, uh, it, it, and that's one of the dangers of comedy. You make yeah. fun of something and then, or you say something and, and <laughs> then something happens. Like we would make some jokey headline in City Paper occasionally, and then like something would happen that week that you're like, oh, fuck, that, that was shouldn't really have said bad. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We,
2: we shouldn't have that. Yeah, the headline timing now. of Chris Rock's uh, statement
0: <laughs> was probably not the best, but yeah. But it does get. I mean, it still does allow that conversation yeah. to to happen. Um, I mean, and and it's interesting as we go through these sort of eras of because I mean we were talking about the earlier Chris Rock thing about uh, you know fuck gun control, have bullet control, yeah, make yeah. the bullets make cost every $10, bullet
2: yeah, ten thousand dollars a piece. And
0: yeah. that was sort of of another time. And so one of the other good things Brandon does on this piece is point out some of the other. Favorite presidential movies, and it almost becomes this kind of time capsule of nice. even though the movies aren't from that era. So, nice. uh, Bill Clinton's uh, let's talk about uh, Bill Clinton's movie here.
1: Yeah, Bill Clinton's movie is High Noon, which is a western about a guy <laughs> that's about to retire, and his nice. annoying peacenick wife wants him to retire, but he just has a duty to stop these bad guys by any means. And so, this is kind of in some ways like basic law and order stuff that I think now, especially in, in the mainstream conversation, feels a little more disturbing, but certainly at the time was sort of held up as a very respectable and, oh yeah, that's a great thing to think. But like if you think about Clinton as the 1994 crime bill, well, it makes a lot of sense that he's he uh, loves a movie about a dickhead who can't doesn't know when to stop fighting crime <laughs> um and then you have George Bush's which is field of dreams because George Bush is a dope like wow. I don't know I mean, he owned a baseball team and he's an idiot. I don't really know what impact that more
0: but aesthetically it shares something with his his uh it shares something with his paintings too like it kind of like has the same kind of tone. Thomas
1: Katie yeah, yeah. And, then,
0: and it has something to do with you know and the
1: same and kind of the same president that you know as he famously put on that flight suit. And declared victory way too early. It feels like Field of Dreams is kind of this facsimile of baseball nostalgia. It's kinda of, you know, it's
0: and also that whole thing about the reality based those our opponents who are living in the reality based community is essentially if you build it, they will come. Yeah. It's essentially
2: Kevin yeah. Costner. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. All
1: right. and then uh, Obama um he you know seems like a pretty really actually a guy who actually consumes art in a smart way and engages with it. Let me um, guess.
2: But uh, Requiem for a Dream. Like,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. He, uh, um, Black Swan. No. <laughs> he likes The Godfather, like every man. Um, but I think that's interesting because I think The Godfather, what it does represent about, uh, and Trump likes The Godfather too, um, gangster. Because every yeah, but. The Godfather is a kind of this respectable version of criminality, you know, not this myth that it only affects certain people, that it doesn't sort of spread in contrast to Goodfellas, which really Mm. shows you what it's actually like, which it's a bunch of psychopaths. They sometimes (laughs) kill people because, you know, you said that you laughed at their joke too hard. But what you see with Obama is like a president who, you know, drone bombed a lot of people and deported a lot of people and kind of did lay the groundwork for some of this terrible Trump stuff. Um, to like a movie that kind of especially the first one, which climaxes with this series of hits while during a Catholic mass is like I mean that seems perfect. like that wedding
0: mass hit thing seems exactly like the perfect thing of the Obama presidency He's standing there everything's like nicely moving mm-hmm. along and yeah. then like right outside the doors mm-hmm. there's just fucking mayhem yeah. being yeah. being spread.
1: And and I didn't put it in the article but Jimmy Carter's favorite movie is Gone with the Wind. Like yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and he gets away with it because he's southern, I guess. And he yeah, but that's crazy. And I don't and I, so I guess in a way I'm saying, I think that maybe I in some weird way you can respect Trump just being like yeah, blood sport. Fuck yeah. Dicks in the you know punch people in the dick. Fuck it.
2: I lo- I love that Obama's is the godfather because Don Corleone and even and even his son, uh, Michael, when he took over, they were, like, very charismatic, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Everybody loved them. You know, they could let you down easy. One of my favorite scenes is the opening scene that I didn't understand growing up. But now, like, knowing more about politics where the alderman comes to him And he's like, you know, we're not friends. Like, you never asked for my help. You never, you know what I mean? You never came to me for anything else. And now here you are asking me to kill somebody for you. You know, so it's like, you see like this kind of, this Don Corleone is a good guy. But, you know. yeah. There's like a code. There's an ethical code there. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you have this thing that clearly The Godfather arriving when it did during... Watergate or around the Watergate era, Mm post-60s, really, is like this correlation between politicians and mafia guys kind of operating the same, which kind of makes it explicit later on. And Versus, again, to me, Goodfellas is like the great one because it's, I mean, Goodfellas still has a lot of visceral appeal and makes... Criminals sound seem awesome, awesome, but it also just shows that they're all just like pathetic yeah. loser. maniacs. and, good, it, and that comes right after Reagan. Yeah. I think it makes sense.
2: And plus, Goodfellas was written off of actual FBI yeah. testimony, <laughs> yeah. like whereas Godfather's, like I think it was about this family. It's very kind of like yeah. maybe
0: might be about you know, it's they have the same relation sort of as Serpico and Training Day as yeah. well in terms of aesthetic and pacing and yeah. and the idea like. Serpico is so slow and, like, so much of the movie are just scenes of him, like, dancing and doing yeah. weird shit and stuff that doesn't have anything to do with. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, it starts with him getting shot and then flashes back. Yeah. And so you sort of get to. But but then you see in Training Day, it all happens at one in one day, it's just yeah. like this absurdly fast-paced, ridiculous day that starts with smoking PCP and like, go, and every piece goes and and ends with this like, yeah, I'm gonna put th- charges in all you yeah. motherfuckers and yeah. and, um, uh, you know, '70s movies have this such a different sense of pacing than than we got to that that you see in The Godfather and and I mean, I was thinking when you were talking comparing the, uh that mass scene with the Apocalypse Now scene of, of the Flight of the Valkyrie stuff, where that's like the—I could see Trump loving that scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I think Apocalypse there's, there's Now. There's videos of but loving soldiers
1: especially during right. Iraq playing that and murdering people, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: And, then, and to maybe this is a weird way to wrap it up a little bit, but, you know, that David Ayer, who wrote Training Day, he later made a bunch of cop movies that are more sort of— Of pathos for cops. He wrote a movie called Dark Blue, Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, Dark Blue. End of Watch was the movie he directed and wrote. That's actually pretty good, but it's sort of a fake found footage movie A Day in a Cop's Life that ends with one of the cops being murdered. Spoiler alert, but there's other movies you should watch instead of that. But then he also made that terrible superhero movie, Suicide Squad. And then Ayer's most recent movie is that ridiculous movie, Bright. With Will
2: Smith oh, yeah. and
0: the I like troll Bright.
2: cop, okay. I like right. <laughs> All right, sorry. Man. I thought so it was symbolic. It like had a lot of symbolism in it. Okay, I so thought you know, it was good.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll defer to you on that for sure. <laughs> to me, it felt like this weird way to write about race by avoiding race, and instead, it's basically a movie about a. Why don't you explain it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I, was it I, can, I can't
2: explain things. it after you said that because. I guess maybe you're right. It, is, it totally is a weird way to talk about race without talking about race. Yeah,
1: yeah. which might be okay. Yeah. But basically, it's a movie about a. Oh, he's like an. It's like a Will he's Smith a, is a cop and his partner's an orc.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what Shrek was? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's like supposed to
1: be like yeah. a Shrek or whatever. But it's and then everyone yeah. hates the orcs. Yeah, every, and
2: everybody's like pissed. I mean, even Will Smith doesn't want to ride with the orc in his car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and then I think, like the fairies are like rich, and they run everything, and then there's like there's like all these different groups that you know, and the dynamic between Will Smith and this orc is that they're cops, and they're trying to find. Something I don't yeah. know. But, I just I thought I just know when I watched it, I enjoyed it, but everybody fine. was trashing it, <laughs> and I had to watch it. And I was like, "Let me see this." And but I, I, I think I there's
1: something there about a guy starting by writing a movie about like ruthlessly corrupt cops, and then his whole career kind of tipping in the other direction towards these sort of, "Hey, let's have some sympathy for police." Like, yeah, generates this. genera He kind of comes in and then sh- switches it up, or like reflects the the current. Damn, uh, I politics I fell, I fell
2: now
0: ultimately though, <laughs> training day <laughs> is still uh and the same with serpico i mean they are in a way the way to restore faith and police i mean it it's acknowledging the problems it's like the way that that um you know people will go to sleep watching law and order svu and it's like you're like, relaxing watching this rape thing, but it's, like, the people get caught and get prosecuted, and so it has this... And, like, that's what I think those movies are, this this drama of a way that we can feel okay about police again. It's right. like the lawman yeah. going into the old west town where yeah. it's all... And being able to rest order out of chaos.
2: And it's, it pushes... It helps push the narrative of a few bad apples. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Because if you're so used to seeing police as the hero all the time, and that narrative is, like... Plugged in, you don't believe that there could possibly be corruption in the police
0: department. Like, it's probably just a few of them that, like, do that. Or we see on every movie we've ever seen growing up that the corruption is generally heroized rather than villainized. So it's like, the guy who's going to break the rules, but he's going to yeah. get the bad, like as yeah. every cop yeah. movie there is, yeah. is is, is yeah. he oversteps the bounds in some mm-hmm. way or another and, and crosses those lines. and But he, he does it yeah. to do the right thing. Tears right. up the whole town, blows up stores and all kinds <laughs> of <laughs> stuff. And it's just the chief going, God damn it, not again. <laughs> Speaking of, of to, to go out <laughs> on that, maybe I'll also recommend uh, another. Brandon is, is I'm glad we were able to talk to about this because he's really one of the, the best writers. Writers on film sort of and, and doesn't do it as much, but he's also got a great piece from maybe a year or so ago about Rambo and the first blood <laughs> movies that, oh, that also wow. is, is, is really yeah. relevant to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Having.
1: Briefly, I could say I mean, the first Rambo is totally essentially like Vietnam vets got came back and got fucked over and it kind of is an interesting critique of the police And the second one is just fake news of the movie. It's about this myth that there's hundreds of POWs that someone needs to go in and save. Um, So there's these ways in which, again, it kind of reflects the trading day bright thing of sort of floating where you come in with something kind of countercultural and then you always counter it with something that's very mainstream or even like propagandistic or jingoistic. And that's kind of what you see a lot with these movies. And then it... It turns the initial movie like the Training Day or or you say it turns into this bad apples thing. Well, here's here's a couple of bad cops who fuck with this Vietnam vet. We all mm-hmm. love Vietnam but Here's you know these guys, These Denzel Washington's a bad cop, but all these other bad. Well, we really need. We probably need. There should maybe the Training Days should outweigh the, I don't know, work a day cops are great movies. We need more Training Days, maybe.
2: Yeah, and Dark Blue. Dark Blue was like that too. Or LAPD was yeah. like showing their corruption.
0: Well, maybe we've made that same trajectory ourselves with going from, uh, you know, talking about politics and stuff on this podcast to talking about movies and just bullshitting today. But it was really fun bullshitting yeah. with you guys. Uh, so this is the Democracy in Crisis uh, here with Easy Jackson and Brandon Soderberg. I'm Baynard Woods. Much love and grim solidarity.